Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. If you are a commercial agent or you know one, share this with them. Visit www. You got to put that in there, right? CommercialAgentSuccess.com. It is incredible. Well, speaking of incredible, I think we have an incredible show for you today. Look, what's the sector that everyone thinks is in the worst condition right now? Or maybe it is in the worst condition. It's the office sector. If you read the headlines, it's dead. It's never coming back. No one's going to use office again. Well, that's not what we're finding in the business of brokerage. Uh, we worked in the Southeast. We are selling office buildings. Uh, we're selling medical. We're selling government. And we're selling some regular office buildings, a lot of user office buildings. And we're seeing performance on a lot of the spaces and buildings doing really well. So it does come down to the individual building. There is a lot of distress out there around the country and even in, in the Southeast. So what's really happening? Well, we have an expert with us here today. Please welcome my guest. It's Anthony Delwig, founder and CEO of Delwig, and he's here in Studio One. Anthony, thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you for having me, Michael. Well, tell the audience briefly about uh, your company and where you guys, uh, kind of properties you have and, and basically where they're located. Sure. So, um, We've got our corporate headquarters up in Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina, uh, offices in uh, Charlotte, uh, Atlanta, uh, and then we're also in Tampa and Dallas. So primarily, we've got about four and a half million square feet in office. Uh, we also are in the SDR space, uh, short-term rental space. Got a, um, a company called Carolina Experience uh, in smaller towns, converting commercial buildings to Airbnbs. Uh, so we're calling it Hospitality uh, 2.0. And then also picked up uh, like a like a typical, well, not typical, um, you know, real estate guys like to get into more real estate. So uh, we have a, we bought a, um, a, off, a golf course uh, community down in Eastern North Carolina about two years ago at auction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an Arnold Palmer um, uh, course, and we're looking to uh, reposition that asset as well. Yeah. So when you have uh, asset managers or leasing folks who do a great job, you just make them go to the golf course for a week? <laughs> that and raising capital, right? You send all your investors down there. So I expect a return on that at some point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us, uh, on your office properties, how are you seeing performance now? And what are you seeing trend-wise there? Yeah, it's a really important uh, topic and question. Um I was listening to your comments before, um, you know, the, the challenge is, you know, real estate is very nuanced and people want to put it in one big bucket. Yeah. So I kind of trifurcated a bit. I, I think about office, you know, the uh, highly desirable office, which is basically the way up I would define it would be um, like a creative, uh, unique ethos, uh, experiential, like your, your tenant base, you're going to attract, um, make it a compelling offer for companies to get their employees back to the office. That's going to outperform the market. The brand new buildings have done it. We have a creative single story office product that's been uh, outperforming the market. Then I think you have properties that are kind of no man's land. Um, they're middle. They're, they don't know what they want to be, but I think if you put additional capital into it, you amenitize it. You hear a lot of that being thrown around. Uh, it's in a great location. We got to pump some money in the deal. I think those will perform well. And, you know, we've got 4 billion square feet roughly of office in this country. I think the last third is a race to the bottom. I think it could get either, um, you know, raised or 
you know, it may be a zombie building. You hear those. I mean, it's going to be a tough, but there will be some winners and losers. And um, and we're being pretty um, uh, thoughtful about where we see uh, as best we can with information that's still coming in, kind of wet clay that we're trying to work through to make uh, decisions on what properties we feel, you know, winners and we're calling bubble properties and then what we're calling loser properties and working with our lenders, our investors on that because we want to serve them well and our tenants well. So it's a tricky time for a lot of office operators. You mentioned converting some of your buildings. Tell us about some of that. So um, it's interesting. I was reading a piece, um, uh, Boston Consulting Group put this and they do the five R's. So you, you'll get it, you know, this is stuff we've you, we've all talked about, but I thought it was, you know, just kind of, we try to simplify things around words. So I'm going to steal this from them. So they have the five R's, uh, remain, renovate, repurpose, redevelop, and relinquish. <laughs> so remain is, they're already really good and they're attracting the tenant base. You see some of that product and maybe you're selling some of those. Um, you know, renovate is interesting. How much dollars you want to put into a property um, on that front? Um, just, you know, you got, you got to have some good discretion there. So the space that we're probably playing in more um, is the repurposing space. Um, redevelopment. We have a project here in Peachtree that we're looking at right now. It's a building we bought that we'd um, raise the building and put um, single family residential there. Mm. Um, so that's something we're looking at doing. And then uh, listen, if we can't come to agreement with a lender and we can work a friendly deed in lieu of or a um, or a conveyance, we think it's good to probably shed properties if we did the best job we could to kind of reposition it. But I think some of these things are just so far underwater, it doesn't make sense. So, so really, the creative single-story office we like, as I mentioned before, putting money there, finding single-story product that we can convert, whether you're painting it, landscaping it, um, really kind of funking it out, put it, drop it in a brewery, um, creating a hub space, community space. Sense of community is really important. we got to get people back in the office, you know, the people who want to be there so we can get people engaged and mentored and taught and coached. Did you say, did you say beer? I'll be there. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> well, the, uh, I know you well. You will be at ours at least. So, uh, But stuff you mentioned in your past podcasts about, you know, the importance of uh, back to mentoring and coaching people and people were social creatures. So, um, but repurpose one we're really intrigued with. That's, um, we're targeting uh, older office buildings in uh, with high walk scores, 80 or above, with very inefficient floor plates for office, um, you know, core factors high that we can convert to a mixed use. So, um so take six floors, I'd say it's a 15-story building, top floor, do like a rooftop bar or kind of a cigar bourbon uh, bar on the top floor and maybe do some, uh, we're calling it short-term rentals hospitality on six, seven floors. Do like a co-working uh, space. There's a group uh, called Expansive I like better. We had WeWork as our tenant, not anymore, on two of our buildings. Not by our choice, but they left and they've struggled. Um, but they have a really... I think a really clever way of optimizing rent for the office users. And it's more like a menu. I think that's the the future. Maybe some longer term tenants in there, and then actually getting some land back um, um, on site that you can convert to retail. So pop up retail, music venue, maybe a brewery, a winery, and some food venue. So you really activating the site. We like we're really intrigued by that. I think there's going to be some great buying opportunities in the next two or three years here in the, uh, years in the in the southeast. So we're targeting that pretty hard. I agree. It's like vertical mixed use, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds interesting that in the way you just described that building, you know, with the rooftop bar and the bourbon and the cigars and 
retail and some hospitality. It's like, I want to, that it sounds like a place you want to work. Well, and you just, so, so think about Gen Z and millennials. Listen, I get it. We, we They want to be engaged. I, I think it's one of the greatest head fakes in our, um, in the real estate community. When people, you know, talk about, um, uh, you know, getting uh, employees back to the office in this context, you know, it's great ameditizing the building. It's great having all these bells and whistles. It's going to, you know, that people find it really cool and unique. But most people don't use that stuff, all the stuff they put in there. We talk about putting climbing walls in our, you know, our lobby. Just as someone says, oh, they're cool enough. This must be a cutting-edge landlord. We want to be here. So there's all the things you can do. And I don't, you know, frankly, at the end of the day, I don't really care if they use it or not. Just we can bring the tenants in. But at the end of the day, it's to me, is it's about company's culture. They have to have a culture. It now takes CEOs and leaders to step up and have a culture that, an employee, at the end of the day, they have a choice of being home or back in the office. And if they have FOMO, fear of missing out with their peers, and you can have an environment that's so moving and captain compelling. And you got to be careful about passion, in my opinion, because I think we've done a disjustice there. Make It's not all about passion. You have to go grind it out. You got to have some portion. HBR, uh, Harvard Business Review, had a great study, and they used 20% as a threshold of passion. They said if you go above it and people want more and more passion, it becomes very self-serving. If you go below it, you become disengaged. So my point is companies get their cultures right and people want to be back in the office and it's cool to have a funky place. That's going to be the catalyst in my mind, getting people back. So there's a lot of variables in there, but it's pretty interesting what's going on right now. Yeah. And you mentioned that uh, we should see some opportunity in the distressed office market uh, with what's going on. And then I guess the big question is, is, is how long does that last? I mean, we just heard Martha Stewart come out recently and say, hey, U.S. is going to fall behind if we if we have everybody working at home. You know, it's just it's not working that well for the most part for most companies and employees themselves. What do you think the distress is going to look like? How much and, and how long? <laughs> well, I got to look at my mood ring because if I depends on the moment if I'm pretty dark and get dark. But, you know, here's the way I'm building yeah. I'm built for opportunity, and I think this could be the greatest wealth creation for anybody in the real estate sector. Uh, I, I'm not saying all sectors, but office is the centerpiece now, and I think, you know, 4 billion square feet is a lot. I think there could be a tremendous opportunity. Well, usually if there's tremendous opportunity, it's a pretty material downturn, right? So um, I think it's going to be pretty brutal downturn, frankly, and, and what does that mean? I think, uh, like I said, there'll be some offices that, that probably weather the storm fine. They're just a new product and more creative but we have a bunch that's not like that. And I think that, to me, I go back to the behavior of the tenants. And you have what I what I called seven head fakes during the uh, pandemic. So you were sitting here, we were both sitting in our office, you know, in March of 2020. We hear about this thing, pandemic, and then people didn't know how bad it's going to be. And they're like, well, it's not going to be that bad. But, you know, people, let's send people home. But, you know, on uh, after Memorial Day, we're going to get back in the office. Well, that was a head fake. No one ever came back. And then it became... Labor Day, and that was a head fake. Then it became the first of the year. So you start multi, you start adding those up. We just reinforce behavior that now people are like, I want to be home. And, you know, three years of that, and I and I love my time. And now it's like people revolting all over the place, going back to the office. And even hybrids getting, like, pushed back on. No, three day. Oh, no, I just want one day. So I think, to me, it's going to take a lot of time to get there. So that means structurally we're broken. The demand cycle, it's broken. It's going to take time to feel out. Um, there's great data points on that developing. Um, so it's going to take some time to get there. So there'll be winners and losers in this thing. And you got to have a compelling getting back. But I think that downturn is going to open up, to me, tremendous opportunities. Lenders are terrified to put another dollar in office right now. Yeah. 
So your business is going to be very interesting because I think you're going to sell a lot of buildings here. Um, you know, even if they're, you know, you're, you're a guy who goes, if my volume goes up 10x and I sell buildings for 30 cents on the dollar, still a good year. You're going to have a great year. It'll be, you know, you're in line with lenders and, you know, some right. private guys. But uh, so I think it's going to be a haul, you know, two or three years. Absolutely. I think that's in the, but it's a, it's a journey. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's not all bad for everybody. It's very nuanced. So I, I think it's not to get totally over alarmed by it. You just yeah. got to be very pragmatic and think through it. Don't be dogmatic because I think that's a big mistake. I think there'll be a tremendous opportunity. And the operators, it's going to be tough on operators. You're just going to have to figure it out, yeah. you know? Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be different for every building, right? Every, yeah. every situation. And one of the things that we're seeing selling office buildings for the last several years is that the tenants with the smaller suites seem to be more active in the spaces. The the buildings that we sell with small suites seem to be performing better, higher occupancy uh, than the larger suites, the urban buildings. What are you seeing in your portfolio? So I tend to agree with that. I, I think there's a couple of things, my, my, um, my thoughts there. One is, I think you got the entrepreneur community in the smaller suites, you know, and some are startups. And you know what? You're not going to be real successful as a startup unless your people are in the office. You know, you and I know if we're going to create a team, we're going to have guys that practice every day, we're going to watch film. This is sports, you know, analogy, obviously. And they're not taking days off. We need, and we got to have fellowship and camaraderie and brotherhood or sisterhood, whatever it is, you got to people in. So I think a startup has that. And the people try to do remote startups can be very, very tricky. So I think the smaller suites there play well. I also think that landlords who have a program that, uh, and you know, uh, that are intentional about it going, we've got, you know, uh, a lot of smaller suites in the two to three to 4,000 that they're pretty turnkey-ish, try to minimize that. We'll do a we'll do a six month lease. We'll do a one year lease, or we'll do a two year lease. I think you get those people back and get in quickly. Do a simple form lease uh, to get so they're not overwhelmed by attorneys and stuff like that. So keep it simple. I think that occupancy could be pretty material high. It's corporate bigger the larger ones. I think they're struggling with all kinds of personnel issues and back to work issues. There's just a lot of variables there. Plus, if we go to recession, it's going to be another thing. And the credit markets. There's a lot of I mean, we could have a whole discussion about the Fed, you know, and interest rates being low. And we, frankly, I think we've been almost like a casino for years because we've had such low, um, you know, obviously uh, cost of, you know, interest rates that you don't go from, it's interesting, the stat, you don't go from $42 trillion of household net worth in 2000 to almost $150 trillion household net in the U.S. recently in the last year or so. There's all this free money. You're gonna to have to have an adjustment here. Yeah. So that's a big run up on household net worth. There's a ton of wealth in this country, but it's I'd say a lot of it's funny money. So you gotta be careful of that. You know, I mentioned Martha Stewart coming out and what she said, and of course, Elon Musk uh, not, not too long ago said, hey, "Get to work or pretend you're working somewhere else." Um, what are you hearing uh, trend wise from leadership in these companies in your in your group? What are you guys hearing? From, from these tenants. So you're hearing any tr changes yet? It seemed like people were saying, well, when the employment market changes and the economy drops some and it's and, and there's not a million jobs to go choose from, that maybe employers will be able to get people back. What are you hearing on the front line? Well, okay, that's a really provocative one too, right? Because we're sitting there going, um, I think most of them are being honest. They're quite not sure what direction it's going to go because, you know, I think, you know, listen, trying to attract talent today with a, in a tight labor market and I think you got a lot of the leadership that's afraid to lose talent. So they're going to, the tail's wagging the dog a bit. So I've heard, you know, anywhere from, man, I hope there is a really bad, severe downturn, downturn, and, you know, we can get employment, uh, 
you know, and the Fed's working on some of this stuff higher. So, you know, we've got some more leverage in the marketplace to anything that goes, we're not going to change behaviors for a while. So we'll just go hybrid for a while, which the reason we started SR, our SDR business, which is really to attract the folks on Friday or Monday to go to our locations, you know, in Blowing Rock, North Carolina, or down at the coast, high quality connectivity. You can bring your family there, great experience, but you can work from there. So it's set up for professionals. So we like that. And by the way, if you lease space from us, the package is you can uh, be here Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And by the way, we have a portfolio of a thousand units in North Carolina that you can go all and, and just get outdoors and do whatever, and we'll put in our lease. So I think there's this, I do, I do find this like um, collision between hospitality and, and office could be leading that direction. Uh, but back to your point, I think it's very much mixed bag of how they see the market and people getting back and what strategies do they have to get people back in the office? Um, and, uh, you know, are they going to do it with conviction? Because I've hearing people flip flop back and forth. Well, I tried and then it didn't work. So we went back to and remote seems like the place, the easy place to go right now. I'm with, with some hybrid. So I'm curious, how many, what's your office policy here with your employees? Well, we, we came back immediately, but we're a small firm and we have about 50 people. You know, so it, and we're not a huge firm. So a huge firm maybe loses 10% of their people because they make them come back. That's a huge problem, right? Yeah, yeah. But 10% for us was not a big problem. Yeah. Uh, all right, five people. All right, well, you're not part of our group. You don't want to help us. We're a small company too, like the small tenants. We're in 16,000 square feet. Um, but yeah, we're, we're a small company. We all care about each other and our clients. And we found that we were more efficient altogether. And, and we sold a lot of buildings and a lot of properties in the last several years. And all the companies that we work with, from the lawyers to to the third, all the third party and the clients, the buyers and sellers, when we dealt with people working from home, it was just difficult. And, yeah. you know, when you compared it. So I think when you look at, am, am I going to work with a company where everybody's together and then go ask Joe or Jane immediately about something? Or do they have to make an appointment for two days and, and have a Zoom? Uh, you know, to get something figured out. So I think the efficiency, we came back immediately. I think we, we lost one employee. Um, Interesting. So, but you're a real estate company before pandemic. So yeah. Fridays were probably a little bit loose, people yeah. coming and going, right? Yeah. But are you hybrid or are you actually full-time? We only have one employee hybrid. Oh, and everybody else comes in right. one, Monday through Friday? Right. Oh, interesting. Right. Yeah. And, and it's very helpful. And you know, like we just did a big presentation for a lender today and we're back and forth and we're talking to research and we're talking to marketing and we're talking to brokers. We're talking to our, our tenant rep and getting numbers there. You know, so it all happens very fast in real time. Probably exciting, right? You got people, yeah. energy, good energy. People are here. If they miss, they're good, missing out. So they want to get in deal flow. So that, yeah. to me, that's you got to create that back to the culture, right? Yeah. So yeah. interesting. Yeah. So are you feeling any different vibe from the leadership and, and the tenants and the companies from, let's say, six months ago to, to today? Is there any any a change or is it just a mixed bag? Uh, I would say there's a certain elevated level of frustration now with their employee base. It's, um, I think that there's a little bit of kind of, um, you know, deer in the headlights for some of these guys, whether what it's like, here's the, here's the challenge. Is that they, you look at productivity, look at what sets in the last four, four quarters, five quarters, it's gone down now. So now you're starting to see these trends. I, I feel like it's it's an area that they're not prepared to go all in and addressing, which actually hurts. You know, I I think they're just kicking that can a bit. They got a lot of other issues they're dealing with. They can get away with what they have now, and they're probably, if they're being frank, they're dealing with a lot of other potential headwinds right now in the economy that they're like, mm -hmm. I'm just going to address it. So that's not really encouraging me now. 
I'm not talking to a ton of people. I don't have a bunch of research. You'd have a great person in this chair who could probably tell you all kinds of really cool insights on that. Mm. Uh, but we got you know close to a thousand tenants, and we survey them. Um, I mean, just go back to utilization rate. The Castle data now is flatlined. Ten cities they use throughout the U.S. and that's you know they do one car swipe in the beginning and that's it. So it's a, you'd have to question the data. But now it's flatlined at 48, 49 percent. It went from 15 percent to 40 percent the first 18 months in the pandemic. It's gone from 40 percent to 50 percent in the last 18 months, and it's flatlined. Yeah. So I'm sitting there. That's 50. That's you know that's not a great number. Guys like right. us would go. We need to. And it's still nuanced, right? The good buildings have higher, and the lower ones. So you're gonna have. You gotta be careful of the data. If you right. start averaging, you and I are gonna go. That's a head scratcher because if I get on the data, I'm going to suddenly see these buildings a lot higher and these are way down here. So you got to pull it apart. So. And if they're comparing it when I came in five days a week and now I come in two or three days a week, it's 50%, right? I got a lot of questions. The methodology? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm still using the office. Yeah. Uh, and, and But I'm just coming in less. So um, what, what are you hearing and seeing from lenders as far as uh, their ability or desire to, to finance any office? Uh, also... Um, and, and their ability in dealing with distress. Uh, what are you seeing? Uh, well, okay, so a couple things. Um, I think community banks and the regional banks were lending for office um, up until we've seen less of it here in material stop and some of the stuff when uh, SVB and Signature and um, First Republic went sideways. So I've seen that freeze up a bit. I think that you know, the private, the... Um, uh, this, uh, the shadow private lender shadow space, I think that's going to be pretty active here, but it's going to be expensive. So you can, get, you can probably get it 12 or 13, 14% coupon. So there's some folks out there, they're going to really under scrutinize it. I think most of the lenders we're talking to are basically very explicit is risk off for, for office. Um, we don't want to put another dime into it. We want you to put all the money in all the equity. And I'm like, that's a problem when the equity guys, smart equity is going, I don't know, the visibility is not that great. Um, but I think that the shadow lenders to me are the ones who are going to pick up the slack here and there'll be some funds. Um, and I think we're going to see some material, we're going to see some hits on, you know, uh, just starting to see the lenders I'm talking to and they're talking about their balance sheet. We'd like to put everything on the table with our lenders. Like here it is, here's my balance sheet. Here's what we're dealing with, whether it's recourse, non-recourse, I'm sharing that you share them back to me. We, we need to work together to get through this. Right. Let's be very frank. And so we've got 15 lenders I'm working with. So. But they, um, they're looking now, they, they seem very, they don't seem, they're behaving that um, it's hard for you to get calls back as quickly. They're very slow to uh, get information. They're building up their teams. I'm hearing them, they're not wanting properties back for a while. We need a reprieve because they're not going to have the capacity of this. Right. So the guys can figure that out. We've asked, to, to, you know, can we partner with you? Can we help you? We're, we're the experts. We have capacity to get you through this thing. So... I think the lender, I think there's a bit um, still discovery there for them and how it plays out. Um, but I still think the shadow lenders, um, you know, I think there'll be some opportunities there. Yeah. Yeah. To your point about them building up their teams, you know, we were dealing with at one time, I think at one time, two or 300 banks here that we were selling REO for and helping them sell notes and things. And it seems like they kicked the can down the road for a long time in the last recession and finally moved forward. Uh, as far as dealing with distressed real estate, are they still kind of just waiting, kicking it down the road to, to beef up their, their team? Is that what you're kind of seeing? See some of that, yes. And I, I would say that 
you know, I was thinking about, I feel like the office sector is going to be the equivalent with the housing sector did during the great financial crisis. Well, think about that. That was a that was a supply creditor underwriting challenge, right? So, um, you know, so people are buying two or three homes. They shouldn't have been buying two or three. They're flipping them and making them. So who are all these people? So, so that basically collapsed. And uh, but it was, it was in the making, right? So people saw it coming. All right. So you would, we'd sit here and go, okay, oversupplied, made some mistakes. There'll be some uh, credit issue. I mean. Um, supply issue probably here. Well, that's why uh, housing's coming back now, as you know, and we didn't build, didn't hit our units for a while, but it was a a classic supply and demand and it took time to get there, right? Right. Well, office to me is going, it, we took probably 10 to 15 years of trending and moved it forward in three years. So we were going from remote more and stuff like that, accelerated. So to me, it's more violent. And now we've changed it's not a supply demand thing, in my opinion. It's now a structural thing. It's like behavior. When you get into behavior, all bets are, I mean, you got to figure out what's the new behavior we're trying to find out. We're sitting there talking about now. And we're like, well, it'd be interesting. We have a year conversation too. It takes time to get there. So once we understand what the behaviors are, then we can start measuring what we think the demand is. Yeah. In the meantime, if we lose a billion square feet of office, which we're really good at recycling stuff like that, it's going to be painful for this. The quicker we do it, the better, but you, you know, it's kick the can, kick the can. It's going to be, no one's going to want to deal with the pain. Yeah. And that, um, and maybe money, the fed flips and starts going easing and money goes back in the system. I'm not in that camp right now. I think it's been longer. I think they've got now there's the tail wagging the dog. So inflation, I, I, you know, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how lenders, each lender deal. And I, and there's a bunch of note sales coming to the market. Now, usually one of the first things that these note sales, I'm not sure how much they transact or not. It'll be interesting on that front too. Yeah. And speaking of behavior um, and what uh, employers and employees are going to do about being in the office, I was interviewing Hugh Kelly, um, and he mentioned, you know, that human beings, that we have a history of looking what's going on around us and thinking that's going to happen forever. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the, um, the Great Recession when home values plummeted and people were saying, oh, wow, no one wants a home. And, and, and young folks were saying, I'll never buy a home. This is terrible. And then look at the rise in home prices. Uh, you know, you look at COVID, when COVID hit, people said, oh, retail's dead. Brick and mortar retail is just going to die. What did it do very quickly? It, it, it went really well. And I agree with your point. I think there's going to be a window here of office where demand is, is so low that the values are, are going to be, uh, in, in a lot of cases, very low. And there's going to be a lot of money made uh, from folks buying office how long the window is, right, it's behavior. How long does it take us? And you look at, he mentioned also 9-11. Um, 9-11 happened. He said everybody in New York said no one's ever going to want to be in these buildings again, in these high-rises. It, it's just the way we think when things are happening. It didn't happen. Obviously, the rents were higher, the higher you went. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was listening to what you were saying intently because, um, you know, I, I've got three children. i got two daughters and a son. And, I, and I'm pretty explicit about this. I said, listen, if, you, if you're committed and you actually study human nature, just study it. The good thing is it's actually very predictable. So if you're, and you add the, you know, business on top of it and you just assess it and you're very thoughtful and don't be dogmatic, be more critical, Socratic in your thinking, you can start anticipating these trends. I said, and that's the world we're in right now. So, you know, you can start feeling, you know, even the way the pandemic played out, you can, the behavior, you know, people, people are, at least the way I viewed it, when they were saying, I can't believe people are behaving this way or that way. I'm like, I don't know. In the big picture, this seems all actually 
is kind of like that irrational behavior of humans. You know, it, it still means it's predictable. So I think right now we have an opportunity. You just start thinking about behaviors. If you start studying and understand where office is, and it's to me, it's okay. It's kind of like malls. You know, malls was a slow grind. We went from 2,400 malls down to 700 malls, but that was over 20 years. You know, office is happening more quickly, but we knew the internet came and, you know, that you can start seeing that play out. And we're usually, this is why I find so interesting about real estate. We're usually way in the rearview mirror and we're slow to respond, right? So you and I could actually peg the trend today, but we can't do anything about it because no one's going to behave the way we think it is. Like we went shorted stocks tomorrow thinking that the REITs are going to collapse. They could go up, you know, and double on us and we never get to our trade, but five years we do. It's like the big short, right? Mm -hmm. That was a great I mean, just stuff you're, you actually think it's going to head there, but, uh, or the fed may come and bail it out and throw a bunch of money in the system. And you and I are having a different conversation two years going, holy smokes, mm -hmm. you know, values have accelerated because the fed put 10 trillion back in the market. Now I think that's been one of the biggest, craziest thing in our market because it's, it's swing fundamentals around, it becomes unpredictable. You know, I, to me, that's been very, very tricky on that. Yeah. To me, it seemed like they started to raise rates too slowly and then raise them too fast that, and, and, and I wish they would stop for now and let things even out here and see what happens. Cause you know, if you hurt lending, you hurt, a, you hurt a lot of, a lot of folks. I agree. Yeah. And, if, and yeah. And it might, yeah. And folks that think that commercial real estate or office, um, not doing well, doesn't hurt them. They might want to check their 401k. They might want to check their retirement fund, uh, and see where they stand, uh, because it can affect them. Um, so. What would be your last word for our listeners around the country about us? Oh, yeah, well, listen to your podcast. I'm always intrigued when people say last. So, I mean, listen, I think that, um, you know, the classic thing people say, it's not as dark or bad as it is or not as great it is. So to, to keep a, um, you know, you said it a few times about being pragmatic and thinking through it. And certainly I think, um, you know, working hard, uh, having good folks, like it's not that like you have an excellent team, having good people around you. Um and give them a chance that, cause this to me could be, um, at least I feel in real estate, cause I, I don't think it's ultimately unique to real estate. I mean, an office. Um, I think there's going to be a, just a, a chance to reimagine real estate, to accelerate that curve, um, utilize real estate differently. Cause one thing we do, every human being touches real estate every day of their life. And um, to me, I would challenge the challenge we're going to have, and I think any real estate operator or service provider is, how do you optimize revenue with a different mindset? So you've got to think differently. And I think real estate has a great opportunity to feel that right now. The pandemic has accelerated a lot of curves across the board that collectively could be very intriguing. So I'm really inspired by that. So, you know, to me, it's, we want some, you know, people that uh, certainly are clever and have a great imagination and understand the space. And, you know, let's reimagine this thing in uh, tremendous upside, but also let's have the courage to make some really tough choices and going forward. And then, you know, guys that are business want to do well and, you know, hopefully they do well for the community and their tenants and their investors and go make a buttload of money for folks, you know, so yeah. and have some fun doing it. Right. Yeah. So. Well, that's well said. And I think there's some really good opportunities for lenders out there to do maybe some of the safest loans they've done in a long time to do loans on our office and other properties today. So I'd urge lenders to look at each borrower and property carefully because you could build a fantastic relationship and have a very safe loan doing those today. Another tip I'd give related to office is uh, users. If you uh, use office space or want to, uh, this, is, this is your time. 
uh, to get a great lease, uh, to move up and, and improve your, your uh, operations and improve your recruiting or to buy buildings. Uh, we've sold, uh, we're about to take a property out to market and we think uh, a large user will probably buy this building. Uh, what a wonderful time for users. So if you run a company, uh, uh, you know, reach out to me or folks like me because uh, you might be a great time for you to invest in real estate. Final word. One thing you did say, which I think is a really important point, if you're an owner, if you're um, a tenant and you want to own real estate, an office building, and make it really cool and funky for your tenants, that could be a home run. That's yeah. a great, because you buy, it could be back to the greatest buying opportunity for you and your um your investors or yourself. So, yeah. Uh, thank you. Enjoyed it very much. Thank yeah. you. Enjoy your show. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate yeah, yeah. You being here. Good stuff. All right. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching, and thank you for sharing. Thank you for connecting with us, and uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, be sure you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.